last week, uh, if you weren't here, we've been going through John, and a lot of times, because of time purposes, I have to skip over some things, and so this is going to be a little bit of the things that I had to skip over last week that I'm going to continue for, for this week, uh, continuing uh, through the book of John, um, which is, I'm pretty proud of myself because I've stayed pretty consistent going through, kind of verse by verse and all the way through. Um, and so to kind of catch you up, we've, we've, we've kind of gone through Jesus uh, being arrested, and, and now last week we talked about him, uh, his death on the cross and giving up his spirit, um, how we are, are called to be interactive in this, that we are, we're a part of it, and Jesus cared so much even about just basic things that he put uh, his mother uh, together with the disciple whom Jesus loved to take care of her. Um, and we even, we even kind of expounded on that a little bit last week. Um, we even looked at Nicodemus, how uh, Jesus cared even for the Pharisees, as frustrated he was, as he was with them. He took the time to talk to Nicodemus, and we see a man who has changed. We see him at the, at the burial of Jesus, bringing all the, the, the spices and everything to, to help with the burial. And so we, we saw a lot of hope there where in all these different people and all these different, different instances where Jesus affected them through his life. And now we find him on the cross here, and we're going we're gonna to hang out here on the cross because it's a very, very good subject and good place to kind of talk. Um, and, uh, and kind of springboard from last week where we encountered Jesus and in some way, shape, or form, all of us, I hope, has encountered the cross uh, in our lives. And um, kind of going, one of the scriptures I want to go back to from John was Mark 8.34, so if you want to turn there. This is something that uh, has been a little misconstrued over the years, and for me personally, I had a really hard time with it because I couldn't reconcile this with a lot of what I understood with the finished work and with grace and understanding who Jesus is. Um, but it makes so much more sense if you really uh, look at the Bible through Jesus' lenses. What we do here, we, uh, we have a Christocentric hermeneutic. Basically, we are Christ-centered. So we believe the, the, the whole Bible is pointed towards Jesus. All the Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus. New Testament tells of Jesus. Even Revelation is a revelation of Jesus. So everything in the Bible is pointed towards Jesus. So there's other ways that, that people will look at things. I'm not going to get into all those, um, but that's what we believe here, that it's just all pointed toward Jesus. So we look at things through what I would consider a Jesus lens, and I tell you guys all the time, scratch your headings out, and put it's all about Jesus right above each of those headings because you can get thrown off with all the little titles because all these were letters. So from Mark 8, 34, uh, it says, then he, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but for whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now, if you're visiting here by chance, um, we are a bit interactive, so if you have something, you're welcome to speak up, and I'll probably ask questions, and some of those are rhetorical, but most are genuine questions. You can respond if you like. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about is this denying yourself and taking up your cross and following me. Uh, for me, I, I remember after being born again and going to church, this always fell under... Um, denying yourself as far as not like enjoying your life or things that you liked that you were to sacrifice those things. Have y'all ever heard that kind of taught that way? Or, or what, what, how did you guys hear denying yourself taught after, after salvation? Have, have y'all been taught anything or heard anything or had a, something coming into this? Anything? Bueller? Bueller? Right. Right. <laughs> Lydia said, if you enjoy it and it's outside of church, it's probably wrong. That's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, that's got to go. It's no good, right? 
Have y'all heard something similar to that? Deny yourself, so self-sacrifice. So if, if that's the case, then, then the, <laughs> slow down, I'm not there yet. That's not true. Uh, so if that's the case, then we can do this on our own. We can just sacrifice enough things, right, and be more holy. Well, where's Jesus in that? We go back to this Christocentric room. We go back to this Christ-centeredness. Okay, well, if that's the case, then where's Christ in it? Well, I believe that that's not the case. I don't believe that, that everything you do outside of church is a distraction. Now, can it be? Can it be an idol? Eh, it could be. But I don't think that everything that you do that you enjoy is things that you need to sacrifice, nor do I think that those things will get you nearer to God necessarily. We have to be careful when we start talking about some of this stuff because you can get into, it's kind of a slippery slope if we begin to, to lay down some of these laws because we know what law brings. So if you're going to take that to its end, take it all the way to its end, and it's going to bring death. So we can say, well, we can sacrifice some of these things. Yes. Carol? Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, we have a microphone. For the folks at home, just take my feet off. Sorry. I had a conversation with a man that was very successful. He had created and sold multi-million dollar businesses. Mm -hmm. And he said when he was saved as a teenager, he asked the Lord, and this makes me think of it, he asked the Lord to show him what the Lord wanted him to do and what the Lord wanted him to be. Yeah. And he did that. And as he created, had creative ideas, he had creative dreams, the Lord led him into these, these ways to create these businesses. But he, and, and I, so I think of this, because he did not, it was not a guilt trip. It was a, it was a, it was a, okay, Lord, I have this life. Show me yeah. what you want to do with this life. Right. And I, I, I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Yeah. And so there's the, the term deny yourselves. Um, as we said, if Christ is the center, then all the Old Testament is pointing this way. Well, what we, t we talk about all the time are these types and shadows in the Old Covenant, right? Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about one of those, and the shadow comes from Leviticus. It's our favorite book, right? Leviticus. Leviticus 23, 26 says, The Lord said to Moses, The tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because this is the day of atonement. When atonement is made for you before the Lord your God, those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. So we have to look at this term, deny yourself here. What he's talking about is a Sabbath. This was a, a ritual that they had in the, old, in, the, in the Old Covenant where they would, on the seventh day, just coming from God, they would rest and they would have this atonement. All this is pointing towards Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice that sacrificed himself for us. So when Jesus is talking about denying yourself here, it would be easier for us to take it on surface level and say, well, we, it's a self-sacrifice and it has to be something negative or bad. When, and when he's ultimately saying, listen, deny your, your, ultimately your self-righteousness or your ability to do it on your own because you can't that I'm going to make the sacrifice for you. What he's saying is, have a Sabbath rest. Rest in me. When you, take, when you look at the cross, what do we see, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. The cross was one of the most brutal ways to kill someone. The, the worst criminals were, were sacrificed on the cross. They were killed and murdered on the cross because of their crimes. But Jesus turned that upside down and turned it into his throne. He turned something that was full of death and hopelessness and misery and turned it into joy and peace and righteousness. He, he completely flipped what it was to us to see that, demonstrating to us that there was another kingdom behind the scenes that was ha something was happening that wasn't right in front of you, right? So when we look at this, if we look at it on surface level and say deny yourself, then we sacrifice some pleasure that we have, then that says that we can do it on our own. That says that it's the, it's the, 
old good dog, bad dog thing or whatever. If we feed one, then, then we're just going to go that way. Well, that's a very, very minimalistic way to look at this. The deeper meaning of what's going on here is that Christ has done this for us. Christ has taken this on himself so that we could have a Sabbath rest in him. So ultimately what he's saying here is rest in me. Take up your cross and even one of the scriptures says daily and there's different, different uh, versions that some will say daily and some not. It doesn't really matter. So if it, even if it is daily, so we take up our cross daily, meaning we take up that Sabbath rest daily. It's not just on the seventh day. It's not like Lydia was saying. It's not just outside of the church building. We are the church, right? Where's the rest found? It's, re it's found all the time. Christ is with us all the time. This Holy Spirit's not leaping in and out of your body every time you make a mistake or do something good or bad. He's not, like, confused by all that stuff. God's not like, oh, no, you messed up again. Oh, no, you did something great, so I'm going to bless you more. That's Old Covenant is cursings and blessings. New Covenant is we, we find all blessings in Christ. The reason we can come to the throne, the reason we can come to God and, and, and even approach the throne is because we've been forgiven. We, we don't have to go through the cycle of, of, of messing up, and this is what I find over and over and over again through the years when I come in contact with friends and family and different people struggling with things is we, we want to fix everything, and that's a good thing. We want to fix it. But what I find is people trying to fix it on their own and failing and, and, and running away from the Lord instead of coming back. The, the problem with that is we try to shortcut the Holy Spirit and we get the results of what that is. We, we cannot shortcut this thing. We can't, I mean, we can ask Eve, <laughs> When you try to do this stuff on your own, there's only two trees you can eat from. It's either the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or it's the tree of life. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you're getting fruit off the wrong tree, you're going to get the results of what that tree produces. Ultimately, when we look at the cross, it is the tree of life. It's the new covenant tree of life. It gives us life. If we look at life in, in that picture with that light on it, it changes everything else that we do. So you're not grabbing for things, hoping that everything gets fixed. You're realizing that Christ has already fixed everything. He's done it already. The author and finisher, the one that knows your end from your beginning, has already done all the things. When he says, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. When he says in Matthew 11:28, 28, come to me all who, are, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I love the message version of this. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There's a good example of this in Simon the Serene. Do you guys know who that is? Simon was the guy that the, the Bible tells us came and helped Jesus carry his cross. Um, there's not a ton of things that they said about him. I've got a few little things that I found just doing some research about the guy. It says that he was from Serene, so he's Simon of Serene, which is a city in North Africa. It doesn't really specify if he was a Jew or Gentile because Simon was a common name amongst the Greeks and Jews, but we know he was from Africa. Um, it says that uh, he was coming from the field or he was coming from the country, so he ge genuinely just walked up on this. I love, I love Simon the Serene in this story. I just love seeing it because, it, to me, it paints such a beautiful picture of who we are supposed to be. Christ is doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> Christ is carrying the cross. Jesus is carrying the cross up the hill. He's taking it up there to be crucified to win the ultimate battle. Simon comes on the tail end and goes to, to help Jesus. 
Now, we can look at this from different perspectives. We can say, okay, well, Jesus, like Jesus was struggling and he needed help. Well, maybe. It doesn't really say specifically. I think it's more he got to be a part of what was going on. I think Simon stumbled on this and said, this guy might need help and I'm going to help him. And got to be a part of what was going on. I think it's beautiful that we don't really know who he is. We don't know where he's from because it could be any of us. It says all nations. You know, we're making this transition from the old covenant that we're, we're just for God's chosen people. Now it's going to be for all nations. It's going to be for the Gentiles too. And this guy walks up from Africa somewhere and comes from the fields and is like, this guy needs help. I'm going to help him up the, up the mountain. And gets to be a part of what's going on. And it really doesn't say anything else about him. Nothing that I can find. But I believe it's a beautiful picture that shows us, that demonstrates to us that just like Jesus is saying here, take my yoke upon you. I'll do all the heavy lifting. You can just be a part of it. You can, carry, you can just come, come along and be a part of what I'm doing. We talked about last week of us being involved. Listen, it's, it's hard sometimes, and I'll tell you from personal experience, it's hard when you, you feel the burdens of other people and the struggles that people have and the, the fear and the anxiety and the, the hopelessness that people, people have, and you want to offer help. And I tell you, I just had a conversation with somebody the other day about a situation that I, I felt hopeless in. I felt, I felt helpless, and I felt like I couldn't fix this problem. And I called a friend just to vent and to talk. And as we talked, um, he reminded me, of a miracle that was in their life and how he said, you know, we tried all these different avenues. We tried to do this. We tried to do that. We tried to do this and nothing ever worked. And we took a step back and we prayed and then our miracle happened. And that reminded me of two other times exactly like his that we had the same thing happen. We tried and we tried and, and we tried all the logical things to do. I don't know if y'all have been there. Like we checked the list off like, I'm working hard, you know, I'm, I'm making good decisions, I'm trying to be wise with these things, I'm, I'm trying to give good advice, and this is, nothing's happening, I'm not seeing anything manifest in front of me. And you feel hopeless, and you feel helpless. And it's sad that we, we have to get to this place sometimes before we turn to the Lord. And then I get on my face, I go, God, you've got to do something here. i got nothing left. I, I feel like I've given all of me to this situation, and nothing's working. And it never fails. He does something. He always does something. And I want to tell you, it may not be exactly like you think it's going to look, but he does something. You know, Bill was up here just praying over the offering. That's a fourth situation I just thought about. That we had conversations about this. Where's God in this? What is he doing? And he was always working behind the scenes to make something happen. And he did. I prayed with Bill every night. He said, Lord, I... I don't want to date. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this. You know, you're going to have to make it easy. And then God said, okay, I will. I'm already working behind the scenes to make it work. I mean, I can tell you over and over and over again, Lonnie, they're in the hospital. They're like, where's Jesus in all this? Lonnie's dead. He's not coming back. <laughs> and then he comes back. <laughs> I mean, we could, we could tell story or story or story after this over and over and over the same things is when we get to this place where we realize, just like I was talking about in worship, when we can't do it on our own. When we say, come on, son, you can do this. No, you can't. It's easier when dad's around. It's easier when dad's around. It doesn't mean we throw everything down and we say, well, we don't have anything left to do. No, we go right behind him and we carry that cross with him. We enter into that rest. We get to be a part of what he's doing. 
we all, we all find ourselves in places in our lives when we think, I can't, I've, I've expended all of my energy, I've expended all of my knowledge, however limited that may be, I don't know about you, <laughs> I've, I've, I've done all these things and I realize that, okay, I feel like I've done what I'm supposed to do, I feel like I've gone through the steps that I need to go through, but I'm not seeing anything happen. I think it's in these places we have to realize that just as he's saying here, we walk, we walk up on Christ and we say, look, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Part of what I find if we don't keep Christ center, Christ the center of, of everything that we do is we can begin to veer off and think that we're the center of it. And then, we'll, then what happens, and I've seen this over and over and over and over and over again, is we go, okay, well, and it doesn't happen intentionally. It's a little bit of a slow thing. You go, okay, well, I'm just not happy. I just need to find some kind of happiness somewhere. I need to find something to fill this void. And we begin to, to search for it. And we begin to fill something. I need something to fix this. And what I found, and I don't say this lightly, I found that pretty much all addictions come from this idea that we need some kind of control because we need to escape this reality that we find ourselves in. Whether it's pornography or alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, you fill in the blank. It's just a desire to shortcut the Holy Spirit and say that my father doesn't have my best interest for me, so I'm going to take care of myself. And I tell you, if you haven't experienced that, the results are not good. They're never good. You may get a, you may get a temporary taste of what you think is good, but in the end, it hurts. And you look back and you go, okay, and I, I've done it myself, and I'm looking back and going, I see what I did now. I see where I stepped off and said, okay, I'm going to do this on my own, and I'm not going to get involved in what God's doing. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm telling you, prayer is a, is a much more beautiful thing when you align yourself with what God's doing already instead of trying to drag him down and do what you want him to do. I tell the kids and youth all the time that we, the car, our cars don't run on milk. <laughs> you know, we can't pour water in the gas tank and it doesn't run. It won't run well on water the same way we run on Holy Spirit. If we try to run on anything else, it's going to fall. If you, try to fill, if you try to fill your tank up with anything else, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be perpetually frustrated, and you're going to be working on it constantly, which is basically what religion does. I mean, it, it, it puts you on this, this hamster wheel of trying to do something that's already done. It's a very frustrating position to be in. It tries to be something that it's not, where Christianity says, because of Christ, I can be. Mark 8.36 goes on to say, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Listen, if, if, if our goals are just to, to gain some kind of feeling or some kind of happiness, those things can be fleeting. If our, if our lives are centered around us, you're going to get in that hamster wheel again. You're going to go over and over and over again trying to fix all these things. And I'm not just speaking to you guys. I'm speaking to myself because I do the same thing. I fall back into those same ruts and go, I can fix this. I can do this. And then a month goes by and I go, you know what? That was real dumb. I wasted a month <laughs> trying to do something outside of, of, of what God's already doing in the earth. I mean, it's, it, it really is. I'm like, this, that was real dumb. What a waste of time that was for me to do this over and over again. But it doesn't mean that we don't get involved and we don't do things. It means that we do things in line of what Christ has already done for us. The tree of knowledge of good and evil may give you something, but it will cost you everything that really matters. We can gain temporary satisfaction, but the fact of the, the cross is it's honest. The cross can be a bit brutal, but it is also powerful. 
It allows us to see us for who we truly are. We see people that come into understanding grace that have been bound up in religion for years and they go off the deep end because they've never even, they don't even know who they are because they've always been told who they were. We see people that come into the knowledge of freedom and understand, okay, I'm free to do whatever I want. I don't even know what I want because I've always been told what I wanted. What breaks my heart more is not that, that people fall apart, it's that people try to hide and put up walls. I'm telling you, the worst thing you could possibly do is, is not come to terms with what you're dealing with in your life. The absolute worst thing you can do is not really deal with what's going on in your heart. Freedom will identify your motives quicker than any law could ever do. If I tell you, you, you can leave this place and go do whatever you want, you'll find out real quick where your real desires are, won't you? I, know, I mean, I would. You're going to find out exactly where your heart is, and you're going to have to come to terms with that on your own. I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly what that is. The Bible's very clear, and we can go and find those places where he can guide us in those areas, but you're going to have to come to terms with that. That's why the personal relationship is paramount in this. God didn't leave you with just rules on rocks. He gave you Holy Spirit to lead you in everything that we do. That false reality I was talking about makes you feel powerless. This reality that we think that, and I'm telling you, I, we, we feel like we've got to gain some control in our lives, and any of the vices that I've found myself in the past is in those areas where I think, I can't deal with everything that's going on, I've got to find some kind of escape, right? Any, any kind of addiction or any kind of, of thing that we try to shortcut, when we get to that place, we think, I've got to find some control, I've got to grab some control in my life, and what we're doing is we're running away from a false reality because it's not what God promised us. It's this false sense that we, we really have control in any of these things anyway. <laughs> so a false reality makes us feel powerless, but Jesus empowers us to overcome and to live a full life found, rested in Jesus. If you ever question if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you or if it's you speaking to you, ask yourself some of these questions. Is this building me up? Is this, is this leading me in a direction that I feel like the Lord's leading me or is it me just being selfish about something? Listen, if you're honest with God, he'll be super clear with you. He's not, he's not like hiding things to like trick you. That's not what a good father does. But I think that was my mindset when I first got saved was I got to discover all this stuff and I got to figure it all out and I got to do all this stuff when the Lord was so gracious to show me in the most creative ways you could imagine, he will show you what, what he's doing on the earth if you'll listen. I was looking at, we were out to eat uh, with the birches and I was looking at my, my, like on your phone, you can, there's a picture on Mike's phone. I was like, what is my picture on there? And he had the little, the little dude from the meme that says, listen, 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 Linda. And it, was, it comes from in the youth, I would always say that, I still do. I tell them to listen, 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 because youth get loud sometimes. Um, but I always think about that in my spiritual life when I pray, listen, listen, listen. Because most of the time when we pray, we talk, right? We're making all these requests. So I want to encourage you when you pray, listen. <laughs> listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Day to day, listen. When you read your Bible, listen to what it's teaching you. Don't just look for, for, for ways that you can make it work for you. <laughs> listen to what it's saying. Don't skip over the verses that are hard. When the, when the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, don't, don't fight too much. Just do it. I mean, <laughs> you guys know this has been, it's probably been a year ago when the Holy Spirit's telling me to skip around the church. I fought through three songs. I was like, I am not skipping around this church. That's the most ridiculous thing. I know we have two visitors here, and they are not going to stick around if I go skip around this church. And the Lord was like, 
But basically, that's on you, man. I'm just telling you what to do. And I remember maybe the youth will join in or something. You know, maybe somebody will come skipping with me so I don't look like a complete idiot here. And of all people, Shane, Shane Wesson joined in and went skipping around with me. And I had one other person I'm not going to name that came to me after the service that the Lord did that for him. Specifically for he needed that, and it was a breakthrough that he needed for me to look like an idiot running around here skipping. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'll be more undignified than this. But, but I'm just telling you, I'm not saying that the Lord's always going to lead you to skip around church. There's other more practical ways that he can work, and he does most of the time. I'm just saying, be mindful, uh, be mindful when the Holy Spirit leads you to do, to do something. Usually it's secondary, and this is something that will help you too. It's usually secondary when you question it, right? It's a good indication that the Holy Spirit's leading you when you go, I'm not doing that. Well, who's even telling you to do it, <laughs> right? It should, give you, it should give you a hint that this is the Lord leading you to do this. I'm not doing that. Okay. Well, I mean, that's on you. You don't have to. But we get to be a part of it. We get to stumble into these areas and go, I'll, I'll take this part of the cross. Like, thanks. I'm about to sacrifice my life for the sins of all the earth. But yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, what a beautiful picture. God's like, yeah, I'll, I will involve you in this. I want you to be a part of this. And he does. He says he chooses to co-labor with us. Do you think God needs our help, really? But what a beautiful thing because he, he sees how paramount relationship is. He knows that we need it. He knows that we need to see it. He knows that we need to experience it. It's not just an intellectual understanding of who God is or a historic understanding of who Jesus was. It's a right now understanding of who God is to you in every situation in your life. I don't know what God's trying to tell me about littering, but man, every time I turn around, somebody's throwing something out of their car and it, I almost snap. It happened last night. Just right out the door and then just run over it. And I was like, I can't deal with this. All I can think of is what I talked about last week about relationships. When I heard some old man say a long time ago, always leave a place better than you found it. And he was talking about littering, pick up. That way, wherever you go, if you pick up someone else's trash, you're making it better than when you But I think that that even spills over into the relationships and into a more spiritual understanding of it is, Every relationship, don't seek to take something away or to trash that relationship. Leave it better than when you got there. I don't know if that's what he's saying. All I know is he keeps putting people littering in front of me. It's driving me nuts. But take that for what it's worth. Side, sidebar. I just thought about that. It's my ADD kicking in. Yes. <laughs> you can talk about trash all you want. <laughs> As you're talking about that, I think about Kim and Pablo and how they go in areas in Honduras where they go into areas that are filled with trash and they clean it up. And I think it's because when the kingdom of God comes into a situation, it makes things beautiful. Yeah. And that's, I believe, I mean, you know, we talk about the kingdom, this, the kingdom, that, and all these big things, but you know, bring the kingdom. I say all the time, like I've been cleaning up a room in my house. I'm sure nobody has another room like this, but I've had five black lawn bags of trash carried out and I had been repenting all week, but I go in there and say, I'm, Andrew says, what are you doing up there? And I'm like, I'm bringing the kingdom to this room. <laughs> that's what I say. I'm bringing the kingdom, but that's what you're doing. That's what's happening. Look, I, you don't even know. I, we did four dump trailers full of junk out of our house when we moved. <laughs> we downsized like several thousand square feet, and we just threw everything away because I'm like, I don't want to deal with stuff anymore. Uh, to but, add to that, I think it's also, it's like, it goes with ownership and responsibility, yeah. I think. Um, 
it's I mean I mean if let's use the example of, of littering again when I see it I'm just like this is my father's world this is the world that I live in and I don't really care if somebody else is is, is going to throw something out the window but like I'm not going to stand by and do something that like I want to take care of what God has given me because I'm thankful and um, because I know that my actions can make things better for somebody else. And this isn't just for like cleaning up after somebody's throwing trash out the window, you know, it's taking care of people too. Right. And, um, just well, doing what, doing what God kind of moves you to do and being like mindful and, and taking care of the people and, and the places that you're in because where you go, the kingdom goes. And that's part of bringing the kingdom is that you bring restoration, you bring some order and you bring new life. And I think it's exactly what you said, taking ownership in it. It's, it's realizing that this is why the gospel, this is why the kingdom is empowering to the believer. Mm-hmm. Um, this false reality is not. It, it, it makes you feel like you're out of control and you're trying to grasp at things all the time. What the kingdom does is it, it, it grounds you and says, no, everything's okay. And not only that, I'm, you're going to be a part of fixing things. Listen, years ago when I was a youth pastor here, I'll never forget this vision I got of in this place, and you, might, you guys have heard this before probably, um, I, I, I don't get visions very often at all, but this was a very distinct vision of a path walking out these doors and then out those doors, and it was of like a zipper like coming together. It was something that was a part that was being put together, and as I prayed about that, it was, it was the ministry of reconciliation coming from this place out that door. So everything from the beginning of this church to now has always been outward focused. We want to reach people for the Lord, not just to bring them in so that they can come to a good church service, but to actually minister to people day to day, to give them that Sabbath rest that we're talking about here, not just on Sundays and not just, you know, not just at certain places or certain times, but out there in the world when you're doing those things that aren't bad. <laughs> They're not, you don't have to sacrifice your hobbies. You don't have to sacrifice the fun times that you have. Those are gifts. Take those. And we minister to people, you know, when we're off-roading, we minister to people when we're in boats on jet skis, when we're whatever you guys do. I don't know what you guys do. That's what I do. When we're when we're when we find our when we're up in the mountains when we're camping we're at a campfire you know we're having these conversations when we're on a trip four hours we get into these deep conversations and we talk about life and what's going on and these different things this is this is the ministry of reconciliation is not just in here when I'm talking with a microphone on it's when you guys are out there to your coworkers and to your friends and to your family it's realizing that you're not going to fix all their problems but you know someone that can right and you know that there's a kingdom coming and is now at hand even, that can, can change the situation in their life. It gives people a hope that they didn't have before, and it's real. It's not just my hope or my version of that hope, but it's the reality of the kingdom on earth, on earth as it is in heaven, right? The cross is a demonstration for us with Jesus at the center of two criminals. He's identifying with the worst of us. We know Barabbas, ba da ba literally meant son of the father. (laughs) He was making this transition. He was right in between two criminals to show us that whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, whatever hurt you have, whatever hopelessness you're dealing with, God chose to taste death on our behalf so that he knows everything that we're going through. All the temptations that you feel, all the struggles that you have, you're not alone in those. He's Like I said, he's not from a distance sending things like text messages or or anything like that. He was with us. (laughs) He is with us. He feels what you feel. He sees what you see. He hurts when you hurt. When you cry, he cries. When you celebrate, he celebrates. He's not, he's not distant. He's not waiting. He's active. He's moving, right? 
The, the, the beautiful thing about this is, just like Simon, we just get to be a part. We get to, we get to grab a hold, and we're like, yeah, it's us too. You know, Jesus is doing all this stuff. And we're like, all right, yeah, me too. We were doing this too, and it's empowering. The whole superhero complex we have, we have all these superhero movies. It's always good versus evil. You know, the reason we have that is because we have something placed in us from creation that we desire that. We desire the supernatural good to, to overcome and to defeat the enemy. And he has. We, we get to give people that, that, that hope, that beauty. All right, one other thing I, I, I had to skip over that I want to talk about um, was really the end of what I was going to talk about last week. It was in John 21, 1. And uh, this is after when Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, excuse me, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were, get, were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So they're on their own, they're fishing, and they're, they're not catching anything. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon, as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his, order gar his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped in the water. Let's stop there for a second. That doesn't make any sense to me. He put on garments to go swimming. This reminds me, sidebar, this reminds me we had a family reunion at Tracy's uh, grandmother's, and they had some, <laughs> some friends from out of town with a religion where they had to grow their hair out long and wear jean skirts to their ankles. And those girls were swimming in blue jean skirts to their ankles. And I, I remember watching them and just, like, blown away, like, those are the strongest people I've ever seen in my life. I can't, I mean, like, I can't imagine swimming in blue jeans. They were in blue jean skirts that were like, I don't know how they were kicking. They were swimming around like it was no big deal. I don't know. They were mermaids, I guess. I don't know what kind of religion it was, but it was, I mean, I, it was the wildest thing. That, that, every time I read this, it reminds me of, I was like, he put on his outer garment and jumped in the water. Like, he's probably having a hard time swimming. Anyway, I digress. The other, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the, net, towing the net full of fish, and they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. Uh, when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals, and there were fish on it and some bread. Man, I love bread. I've been on a low-carb diet. It's tough. Bread is so good. Um, Jesus said to them, uh, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Now, stop here. Jesus already had fish, right? They weren't catching any. Jesus said, hey, throw it on the other side, and then they caught a bunch of fish. Let's look at all this in the context of everything we've been talking about. Jesus is still doing all the heavy lifting. They're out fishing. They're not doing anything on their own, Right? They're trying really hard to fish and do all this stuff. They've kind of given up. Their, their, their Jesus has died on the cross, essentially, and they're still not sure about this. They're going back to work, and they're fishing. And he goes, okay, throw it over there. They catch a bunch of fish, but they get to be included in it. He's already cooking the fish, and he has bread, which is awesome. He's cooking the fish and bread, but he, gets, he includes them in on it. What, what another beautiful picture of Jesus saying, yeah, I want you to be a part of what's going on. Could, Jesus, could they have just eaten his fish? Yeah, I'm sure they could. I'm sure Jesus can cook, apparently. But he involves them in it. He tells them where to go, to where to, throw, where to throw the net. They get the fish, and they get to be a part of it. Once again, reiterating that the, this, this idea that we get to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. So he said, bring some of the fish you have just caught, verse 11. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat 
and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. I looked everywhere for some significance of 153. You guys can look it up. I couldn't find anything. There were some ideas, but nothing concrete. I was just curious why they had 153 in there. But the overall theme of this, I believe, is that Jesus includes us in the, in the story. And if we're doing this stuff on our own, it's, it's very frustrating to try to catch fish when there's no fish, right? I don't fish, but I can imagine. Um, in the same way, it's frustrating for us to try to fix all this stuff on our own without including the one that actually has the solution. Once again, eating from the correct tree. When we eat from the tree of life, what do we produce? Life. Every, every situation that you're dealing with and every situation that everyone else is dealing with, Jesus knows. He's already dealt with it. He's, he's taken all of everything and everything that you struggle with and put it as a public spectacle. He's nailed it to the cross. If we think for some reason we can do a better job than he can, we're, we're fooling ourselves. And we're frustrating ourselves. The fun, I say the fun part, the exciting part, and I love uh, in, uh, what was it, Narnia? When he, when he talks about Aslan and they're asking him, is he safe? And he says, what does he say? No, he's, he's not safe, but he's good. Man, there's something, maybe it's because I, I desire a lot of adventure. I like to kind of do some things that are a little more risky and they're kind of exciting and fun. But that, that to me is life. Life is exciting. Um, it's, not always, it's not always fun necessarily. It can be scary. It can be um, sad. It can hurt. But it's exciting. And when we, when we recognize the power that we have in the Holy Spirit and this God that is with us, I imagine that lion like Aslan. Is he safe? Well, be careful with that. It's not necessarily safe. He's not called you to just be a safe, have a safe life. He's called you to have a real life, a full life. And if there's anything that I want for you guys, it's to have a full life. Um, there's lots of fear and anxiety going through the world right now. There's lots of, lots of lies and some truth and who knows what's what. But I know one thing. I know the kingdom is unshakable. And I know the kingdom that we represent will, will be standing when everything else falls. And I know there's hope in something that is beyond what you can see and feel all the time. And if you, if you and I don't recognize that we can make a difference in this world, there is no plan B. Like, God's not, he doesn't have some other, he chose us. <laughs> he chose us to co-labor with him. He chose you and me to give life, to receive it and give it. We're R&D church. We receive that life and we give it to other people. It's, it's not always safe, but it's good. <laughs> it's a good, I, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to live physically on this earth, but I count every day a blessing. Most of you know I was, I was supposed to be aborted. I had, you know, and my mom's here too. She could tell you the doctors, as if I would lie to you. Uh, you know, the doctors said I would have zero chance, right, to go full term, and I went. Yeah. This Cajun way. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's not to that's not to say I'm something special. That's God's heart for everyone. That's that's saying that when when 
God told her to leave him alone. He's my son. That's you too. When, when we had kids, I thought Trinity, when she was a little bitty and I was scared, I'd break her because I, I, I didn't have a dad around, so I didn't know how to work a baby. <laughs> I didn't know how to work a baby. It's just like, I don't want to break her, and she seems so fragile. Um, and I thought, there's, I could never love anything more than this. And then we had Kylie, and I'm like, ah, how's this possible? I love both of these little people, these tiny humans. And then we had Jordan. I'm like, ah, we got three of these things. And I love them all so much, and I don't know how I can love all three, and they're all my favorite. You're God's favorite. All of you. Like, you're, you're his favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Babies leak everywhere. It was, it was new to me. I have, I have not experienced that. Babies are interesting. That's, think about it. God's got to put that up with you. You know, you get all these problems too. He's like, ah, you humans. You're so fragile. You human. <laughs> so, <laughs> all, all that to say this, listen, God, God chose to be with us. God, God did all this because of the power of the love that he has for us, not so that we would be the center of the universe, but because of the affection that he gave us, we could continue to make him the center of this universe. We could continue to, to proclaim the good news of the gospel that Jesus did come, he did die for your sins, but he also, he didn't stop there. He gave his Holy Spirit and he gives you new life. Life, life, life is the key here. Every day, every day, every day, I, I remind myself, I don't, shouldn't even be here. None of us, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. <laughs> today, do it today. Speak to that person today. There's, well, maybe one day I'll do this. Eh, maybe not. Maybe you won't. Today is the day. Speak to that person. Call, text that person, encourage them. Pray for this person. Listen, pray. <laughs> something, something the Lord's been working on me this past week and, and what I was telling you guys about, this situation that I was like frustrated about, let's just pray. That's all I got left. I'm just going to pray. And so I'm praying more and more and more and more and more. And when you pray, although you make requests to the Lord, you also align yourself with what he's doing already. And so I say, Lord, you have your way in this situation because your way is better than mine anyway. I know what I want, right? I mean, we know what we want. I want this to happen. But I'm going to say the same way Jesus did. Not my will, but your be done. Lord, I know your way is even better than mine, and I will proclaim it until I'm not here anymore. Yeah, go ahead. Um, this isn't like the table where you get to talk, but the mic happens to be here. Um, let me just share a story of epic fail to give us an idea. Uh, last night we went to a store, and... Uh, it was like five, the five of us went, and we all kind of like split up to go do, to go grab various things. And uh, there was uh, a girl that was walking through the store, and she had an she was uh, she had an obvious deformity. And uh, when I saw her, I felt like I need to pray for her. But like I'm in Target, this is a really this is a nice place. I'm by myself, you know. You know, if I had a a buddy with me or somebody, we might have talked each other into doing something. But I, I saw her. And I'm like, no, nah, I got to get over there and get the thing that I was looking for. And so I walked past her, and she was obviously, it would have been a, it would have been a miracle, you know. And so I chickened out, it's like raising some out of a wheelchair or something, that kind of caliber, yeah. a creative miracle. And so I didn't. And then uh, my wife said, you know, she saw her. You know, I talked about her later on, and my wife said, yeah, I saw her, and I wanted to pray for her, but I didn't. You know, and the rest, it's like we all, it's like we all saw her and we all felt the urge to pray for her. But at the same time, 
You know, we individually were like, nah, this is Target. I'm th- I got things to do. And I'm like, I'm praying for God to move. But, you know, if, and this doesn't, it's not like every time you see somebody that needs a miracle, you run up and pray for them. It's like, but, but if you know God's pushing you that direction, right. and, and I saw her twice. I mean, I went around the corner like, oh, no. <laughs> and there she was again. I'm like, oh, crap, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, and so, but it's like, I saw a saying that says, if you're asking God to grow a forest and you don't plant any seeds, that's what you're, that's what's going on. You know, if you want God to move and you're not the one that's going to be praying for them, you're not contributing to the thing you're praying for. Right. So, I mean, well, and, and the thing, the thing that we realized over the years, especially praying for people is that it's not, it's not our responsibility for the miracle anyway. We can't do it on our, we can, I can't grow a limb or, or heal anybody anyway. So it's on God to do that. Um, but the beauty is regardless whether it happens right then or not, that person knows that they're cared for and that they're loved, that you took the time to pray for them. Right. <laughs> we ignored we ignored the love part, the fact that God put compassion in our heart and right. he wanted us to express that to her. And I'm, I'm sure in the way she looked, people probably like, eh, I'm going to go that way now. You know, like all of her life. And for somebody to walk up and say, hey, can I pray for you? You know. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same thing, I think, that, you know, when Jesus would go up to the lepers and touch them, no one touched the lepers. Leopards. <laughs> Rawr, leopards. No one touched le- lepers because it could get them, you know, it could get them sick. But the kingdom would come on. It, Jesus wasn't worried about that coming back on him. He had something more powerful that was going to affect them. So I think in the same way, we've got to realize that when we care for people, when we love people, there's something greater at work than just some, and I don't want to say miracle because totally he, he does the miraculous all day. Um, but it's just like you said, it's the love that we show. It's the compassion that we show. And it's the demonstration of that kingdom to people that is sometimes, most of the time, illogical. It's a little bit outside, especially now. And I would say even that sometimes it's even harder for, for the people that you know very well, right? This is a complete stranger. Maybe you won't see them again. But how about the person that you know very well? And now you've got to pray for something, and you're going to be, like, stressed out because what if this doesn't happen? I'm representing God. I'm gonna, no, you just pray. You just be obedient and love and pray and just and, and just do something there. And like I said, I'm not trying to paint, I don't want to paint this picture of what this looks like. This looks different to all of you guys in different situations from, from the, the Lord speaking to you through his word, from the Holy Spirit moving you or dreams and visions, whatever that looks like for you specifically. I want to encourage you to be mindful of it. You get to be a part of this. It's, it, it is genuinely a gift to be a part of what God's doing on the earth every moment of every day. Um, I heard, I'll, I'll kind of wrap up with this. Um, I overheard some some kids talking. I asked them what they were talking about, and they were kind of making fun of somebody else, and it really bothers me. That hurts me when that happens. Um, it happens a lot, but it, at this specific time, it just kind of really bothered me. And I think the reason it bothers me so much is not just b- because I'm compassionate or because I care for people. It's because I know I know very deeply what it's like to be an outcast. I know, I know how deeply it can hurt to feel um, unloved, to be in a room of 200 people and feel completely isolated. And so there, there are times when the Holy Spirit leads you to, um, to say something and you question it. I want to encourage you to really think about what, what you're doing, what, what is leading you to question whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's leading you to do because... 99 or 100% of the time that I've done that, it's usually been my own pride or my own, uh, my own fear of, of something that, 
you know, I mean, a good example is skipping. <laughs> what difference does it make if a grown man skips around the church? I mean, I know it's silly, but I mean, was that really hurting me at all? I mean, am I, do I have some kind of reputation to uphold? <laughs> at this point, no. <laughs> but I'm just saying, something like that, why, why, would we, why would we put some kind of block between what God is trying to do through us to someone else? So I think in those instances, we really need to understand that God loves everyone, 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 so just as deeply as he loves you and forgave you of everything that you've ever done and, or ever could do so that he could have a relationship with you. He loves other people the same way, every single one of them, especially that one you're thinking about right now that you're like, you sure? You sure? <laughs> you sure he loves this person? Yes, especially that person. All right, stand up with me. We'll pray and uh, let you guys get out of here. Father, I, um, I'm thankful that you you include us in this in this in this life. You don't just include us, but you give us life so that we can give it to other people. Lord, I pray that as we as we interact with people and as we we function in our society and our culture and our workplace and our schools and in our families, Lord, that you will highlight people that we can, we can build up and we can encourage. Lord, help us to see that, just like we were talking about the, the littering thing, that we can, we can leave each relationship better than when we found it. Lord, that we, we don't just contribute because of, of our personalities, although you can use that, but we contribute because of the Holy Spirit that you've given us. And so that when we enter into a room, when we enter into an environment, that we can, we're not bound by the circumstances of this world. We come from a different kingdom, and we can influence people, and we can encourage people, and we can build people up in a way that is different than just an encouraging word from a human, but it's a Holy Spirit word from you. Lord, move us, and Lord, let your grace and your truth be the wind at our backs. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a wonderful day.